I had a case that was dismissed in the interest of justice recently. It's not something that you see very often. It's not an application that a lot of lawyers make often, but in certain circumstances, uh, it is an application that a good attorney will make to the court and see if they'll look at the totality of the circumstances in a case and see if it makes sense to dismiss the case outright. And a judge does have the authority to do that, although many times they'll be hesitant to do it. Why are they hesitant? The police have done an investigation. They've looked at the evidence. They've met with witnesses. And they think that there's probable cause to make an arrest and that um, somebody was harmed in some way. And we're asking them, rather than let a jury decide to take matters into their own hands and dismiss it and have the case be over right then and there. Was this case a misdemeanor or a felony? It was two misdemeanors and a violation. So one of the charges was a violation level trespass. One charge was a menacing charge and one charge was a um, petty larceny. So tell us about the facts of the case. What was the scenario when you got involved? The eventual client called me. She had a case that was scheduled for a bench trial. And the week before trial... Bench trial means what exactly? Just explain it. So in a, in a misdemeanor situation, someone has an option whether they want to have a jury trial. And for a misdemeanor, that is six jurors from the county or or the jurisdiction so for so if it's city court it'd be six jurors from the city if it's town court it would be six jurors from whatever town that would be and rather or they could elect to have the trial in front of the judge and have the judge be the decider of um, law and fact so in this case it was scheduled there was a bench trial scheduled and a few weeks before this trial, the attorney that was working on the case no longer wanted to work on the case or had a conflict and, and couldn't work on the case. So she was looking for new representation. She called me and met with me and, and hired me. So, so this was a paid attorney that she had had and there was a conflict that came up and so she was looking for a new representation or a public defender or how I'm not really sure work? I'm not really sure the full details but he, at the time I believe he was assigned by the county gotcha so the allegations in the case there's there's really two cases the first case was that she was in the woods and that she had pointed a um, 22 rifle at somebody and then when they had left and had made their way up this hill, that she fired a, a warning shot, I guess you could call it. Was it an ex-boyfriend? It was alleged to be her neighbor. So that could was be. the first case. The next case hold is... Hold on, hold on. Have you ever shot at an ex-boyfriend? No. <laughs> <laughs> what I? Maybe, but no. Okay. So there was another case that happens a few months later where the two neighbors had a ongoing property dispute and 
they both had gotten surveys and they disagreed about where the property line was. So my client, her neighbor, had put a giant boulder, estimated, I don't know, a 100-pound boulder where he believed the property line was and she believed it was nowhere near the property line and that the boulder was actually on her property and blocking a right-of-way or driveway slash roadway and that it needed to be moved. Um, Police were called, investigated, and I'm not sure how they determined it, but they determined that she had moved this rock and that they were going to go speak with her and investigate her for petty larceny, which petty larceny is intentionally stealing somebody else's property. So they go to her house to talk to her about this rock. And while they're talking to her about this rock, she's trying to show them her survey. She's disagreeing that she did anything wrong. And in doing that, she was not under arrest. The officer asked her or or pushed her, um, not physically, but encouraged her to, strongly encouraged her to go into her vehicle. And so she gets in her vehicle that's in the driveway. It's not running. She has the window down and the officer's standing about one foot from the door after she gets in, basically trapping her in the driver's side of her vehicle. And um, he's talking to her through the window and her boyfriend shows up because she had called him and said, "The, the police are here. I'd like you to come down. And Several minutes go by. She's still kind of trapped in this car. And when the boyfriend arrives, the officer takes one or two steps forward to talk to the boyfriend. Well, she decides it's a good time for her to get back out of the car. She's not under arrest. She, the officer can't make her stay in the car. So she goes to get out of the car. And the car door very lightly bumps him in the hip area. Well, This drives the officer nuts. He turns around, grabs the door of the vehicle, and wedges my client between the door of the car and the body of the car. And she panics and doesn't know what's happening. And this is all stemming from a rock being stolen. It all stems from the rock. And and how do you know all this stuff is, is true? So I'm basing this on conversations with her but primarily she has a camera on her house she has a security like camera. a ring cam or something like that it's like a ring cam but it's not a ring cam she has a security camera that's on top of her house it's high definition good quality and not too far from the scene so i'm basing this on the video um, that she had she's while she's being wedged the then she is unwedged but kind of falls into the vehicle the officer goes in after her and there he's trying to handcuff her and she's a little bit uncooperative with that because she doesn't know what the heck is happening to her and so ultimately the the police officer decides to charge her with petty larceny for moving the rock resisting arrest and harassment for the door bumping him in the butt hip area Um, this case went on for Several months, I asked that it be reduced. I asked that it be dismissed during negotiations. Um, That didn't amount to much. And eventually, when I, uh, at some point in a case, usually within 45 days, you file what's called motions. Motions are different ways that you can get relief, ask for hearings, ask for the judge to start making some decisions about the case. 
And one of the motions that I made or applications that I made was that the case should be dismissed in the interest of justice. Yeah. So interest of justice in this case would, why? Some of the things that the judge can look into is whether there was police misconduct, who the person is, what does society think about these kind of charges? Would the, would society or the public feel as though there was a, a big injustice if this case continued? Would they not have confidence in the legal system if this case was dismissed? And it's, it's open for argument by the defense attorney. It's open for argument from the DA's office. And that argument took place. And after that argument displaced, the judge dismissed all those charges. So she is not being charged or sentenced or charged. She's not being charged with anything. All of those charges are now dismissed. Including the rock situation. Okay. Right. And I, uh, in, in reviewing that evidence, the rock didn't magically disappear. The rock is 20 to 30 feet from where it started. It's, it's right there. So there is a photograph of somebody with heavy equipment moving it, but I argued that intending to move a rock is not intending to steal a rock. And so that goes to the legal definition of a larceny, right? Just right. intent to permanently deprive another of their property. Obviously, we would say that's not true with the rocks right there. We didn't try to take it. There it is. Go get it. The I, fact that this case just is stemming from a rock is kind of interesting, just in general, that all of this work had to go into it other than just, you know, how many having a normal conversation with a neighbor and it had, you know, and escalated to that. It was it was a tough representation because the court met at like 7 or 7.30 at night, um, pretty far out in Wayne County. Um, so I would get to court at 7, 7.30, get home, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. I probably went to court about 10 times. I, I met with, when I met with the client, I really wanted to take the case because I could tell that she wanted somebody she could trust. She wanted somebody that was going to go to bat for her. She wanted somebody who was going to take it seriously. She didn't feel as though she had gotten that in, with her first lawyer. And when I decided and, and talked to her about taking her case, I told her that I would do everything that I could do. So if I had to go to court two times or I had to go to court a hundred times, I was going to see it through. Yeah, so we've done, I think, over a thousand criminal defense cases here. We won, I know, one other interest of justice case. I won one exactly. I think I've made an interest of justice motion two or three times. And it was a guy in Brighton whose wife was cheating on him. And they were getting divorced. And in my opinion, her divorce lawyer told her to go down and get an order of protection to get a strategic advantage and get him out of the house. And he sent her a text message. There was an order of protection that. Which happens all the time in divorce proceedings. Yeah, right? she said this she was scared of him. Kind of a normal thing that ends up happening in divorce proceedings. She said she was scared of him. She gets the order of protection to get him booted out of the house. He sends her a text message. Says, I will always love you. I can't believe it came to this, more or less. And. It's technically breaking the order of protection. It's violating the order of protection. He did it. And we said, Judge, he did it. Yeah. 
and that's not what criminal convictions are about. And Judge Morris, I think she either just retired or is retiring in Brighton. She granted us a hearing, and we did a hearing, and uh, interest of justice hearing. I only know of one other guy who ever did one. Uh, I know Brian DeCarlis did one once, and we did the hearing, and she granted uh, dismissal. Criminal contempt in the second degree was the charge in that case. So these are rare circumstances, but they do happen, and there are things that you can win or opportunities that you can win. Yeah, I know I've made the motion a couple other times. Uh, sometimes just putting things in writing and making the judge make a decision. I know at least one other time I made the interest of justice motion, and the prosecutor read the motion and was so kind of appalled by the scenario. I think they just dismissed the case outright or, or we were able to resolve the case because of the pressure that it put on the prosecution. Is this the type of case that they really want to be, be prosecuting? And uh, I know Greg, Greg has done that several times as well. And it doesn't have to be an interest of justice motion. Sometimes a suppression motion or, or all the other motions that we use and ask a court to take action. But a suppression motion, is that just for specific pieces of evidence? Like what is a suppression motion and what, what can you use it for? Yeah, suppression motions are one of the most important things for a criminal defense lawyer. It's you're asking the judge to not allow the prosecutor to use certain evidence because the police didn't follow the rules. So if you, Can got, you do that with um, with any evidence the DA's office gives you if they don't give it to you in a timely manner and then it's going the matter is going to trial like is there Yeah so a suppression motion in its most simplest form is judges they shouldn't be able to use this evidence against my client because it's not right Okay The police shouldn't have gone into the house the police shouldn't have searched the vehicle the prosecutor didn't turn over something that they were required to. There's a lot of different reasons or ways you get to suppression, but it's always the general idea that this evidence was obtained inappropriately. So sometimes that's really important. In a drug case, if the drugs are located by a bad search, if the drugs get suppressed, can the person be convicted? Probably not. If there's a HD video of someone committing a murder and the police take a statement from your client inappropriately, can they still be convicted of murder? Yeah, because you have other evidence that would support the conviction. So depending on the case, the suppression can be very important or not so important. I had a really good suppression case recently. It was uh, involving search of a car and locating of a uh, pistol. So the police stop a car, they say, coming from a house that they had been watching. And the basis of the stop was not using a turning signal while leaving the curb, which is a real vehicle and traffic law violation, but awfully petty. Nonetheless, um, upon approaching the vehicle, the officer says that he believes he sees the tip of a sheath for a knife or a machete. And he then says he's concerned for officer safety. So he asks my client out of the driver's seat 
and to the rear of the vehicle. There is a passenger in the car. He then decides to go in the vehicle to get the knife or machete and says he locates a handgun in the same general area. Was there a machete in the car? Did he really see a machete? There turns out that there was. Okay. The criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree carries a mandatory three-and-a-half-year prison sentence if someone pleads guilty to it or is found guilty to it. The offer for my client was three-and-a-half years. I did research on search issues in similar to mine and came up with the argument that as soon as the police removed my client from the driver's seat and brought him to the rear of the vehicle, there no longer was an urgency to go get this knife. The threat to the officer um, was not imminent. My client didn't have access to the knife. He was at the rear of the vehicle. A knife isn't something illegal to possess. The knife was allegedly under the seat, wedged between the center console. It wasn't in a place that anybody could easily get to. There was another officer assisting that was watching the passenger, could see if he made furtive movements. The passenger would have had to reach over the center console, down between the small gap, grab it, unsheath it, and then try to make a stabbing motion out the window for there to be any real risk. So I was prepared to argue. I argued in my motions that there was not a risk. There was no reason for officer safety to go in there and get this knife. And had they not gone in and get the knife, they would not have found the handgun. Because he was already outside the vehicle, he wouldn't have been able to use it if, yeah. So everyone was safe at that point. The... Prosecutor in that case met with me um, before court on the day of the hearing. He told me that he thought I might be right or that I might be wrong. And he told me that he wanted to resolve the case with um, probation and would reduce the charge and offer us probation rather than the previous offer of three and a half years in prison. And this put us in a kind of a difficult situation. And I think a situation that's important to really discuss your options with your client. I told him that we could go to the hearing and I thought we had a real chance at getting the nut, the gun suppressed. And then we'd effectively have won the case and the case would be over and he'd be free to go. But if we were wrong or if the judge ruled against us and it was not suppressed, He'd now be facing that gun charge in a minimum of three and a half if we're convicted. So I said, I'm going to talk you through all the different scenarios, all the different ways this might play out, and um, what do you want to do? He very quickly said, I want to take a deal for probation. I understand that I have a chance of winning this, but I'm not going to risk the prison. Um, I I want the probation deal please can we go take the probation deal as quickly as possible? Is it illegal to have a machete? And why did he have one? I don't know 
Um, is that normal? <laughs> is that a normal thing to have in your... Well, presumably, he uh, had an illegal handgun, too. So. Well, that was my next question. Was it illegal? Was it registered? Was it, like, what are the... Why? Well, another, Did anyone find out why he had it? <laughs> another, another argument that could have also been made at a hearing or at a trial was that somebody else... This, uh, let me backtrack. This was a rental car. Oh. And there was another person in the vehicle. So... Presumably, it, it could have been argued that this was left in a rental car or that it was the passenger's items. But it is not illegal to have a machete. Noted. <laughs> what Great. county was this in? Do you have a machete? No, but now that I know I can have one, maybe, I don't know. Have it's you ever used the to... machete on an ex-boyfriend? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. But how, what is a machete? Is a machete, because I'm thinking a machete, maybe most people might think this is like a huge, long knife. That's not the case, right? No, that's what it was. It was, okay. <laughs> It'd be like what you would see somebody in the rainforest uh, hacking Is that a machete? Because I was with. told that wasn't a machete, that it was actually called something else. And a machete was a different styled knife. Okay. It's like a, it's like a knife with a, 18 inch to two foot blade. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. But it's not illegal to have one of those. But no. it's illegal to have a knife that's longer than four inches in New York. Switchblade? Yeah. <laughs> that, that opens. Yeah, but that seems doesn't, less. Doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. If you think the laws make sense, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> 